Happy Father's Day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, I'm Marcus, one of the pastors here at NVC, and I'm just really thrilled to share today's message today with you. We have Pastor Tim and his family that's on vacation, so I'm glad I was able to give him a chance to go relax, have a good time, and, and just enjoy life because it's so important to unplug sometimes and go have a great time. So thanks for tuning in to today's message as we start chatting about today the benefits of fellowship and community. We know that fellowship and community are super key. It's really important. You know, if you're alone and you are by yourself, uh, life just isn't designed to be that way. You know, we are designed to be with friends. We are designed to be uh, in a community. You know, we are designed to be part of families. Do me a favor. Think of your favorite memory. Take a minute and think of something that really you like to reflect upon that brought great joy. And, and I bet that favorite memory of yours uh, was built around other people. I bet you that favorite memory of yours isn't just built on you, just an experience that you had. I know most of my memories, the memories that I have that are, that are fun and full of love are built around other people. And it reminds me of one of my favorite memories of being at my cousin Chico's bachelor party. Now, it was a tame bachelor party, a, a pastor bachelor party. I was there with my cousins, and I was there with some of my best friends, and we went to a Padre game. And, and we were there at the Padre game, and here's the scene. I'm there probably with six of my favorite cousins, uh, six of my best friends, and we sat down right there at the first baseline, kind of right around here, and it was great, great tickets, and it was, a, it was a great day, and you know what? I don't typically do this, but I called my shop. You know, I tell them, hey, guys, I'm going to catch a fly ball today. Up to that point, I'd never even caught a fly ball at a game, but I felt it, and I called my shot, I'm going to catch a fly ball. And my cousins and my friends are like, yeah, whatever, Marcus, you're going to catch a fly ball. Well, it's third inning, and I decide to go get some snacks, uh, uh, probably a hot dog and some food and, 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 a, and a soda, and I make my way up the stairs, right? And as I'm coming up the stairs, I hear the crack of a bat. And after I hear that crack of a bat, I hear the people roar. As soon as I hear the people roar, out of the blue, I see this white blur come across, and I snatch the baseball out of the air. Well, guess what? All eyes were on me, and Peckle Park starts to erupt. And it's going crazy, and I'm there on the jumbotron, and I'm just playing it up, and I start kissing the baseball and lifting my hands and kissing the baseball and turning around and just playing to the crowd. And the crowd got louder and louder and louder. And I knew that my cousins and my friends were down there watching. And to make the story even better, as the crowd is still watching and the camera is still on me, I start walking up the steps. And I see this little kid, about a 10-year-old kid, behind his father. And his father says, thanks so much. You protected my son. The ball was coming right at him. And then without a thought, I take the ball and I toss it to the kid. It was on the jumbotron, and the place erupts again. And I kept thinking, I can't wait to go down there and talk to my friends and my cousins. And when I got down there, they were like, Marcus, that was crazy. That was amazing. And it's such a great story that we laugh about. But here's the deal. If that story happened in a vacuum, if that story happened with nobody there, 
if that story happened without my friends and my cousins there, it, haven't, it wouldn't really have great value. And one of the reasons I love it so much is because my community was there, because my, my friends were there. You know, and today as we talk about the benefits of community and fellowship, I, I think of this great quote by, by Charles Spurgeon. It says this, some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. But those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect. They love to get together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. I love this picture. Look at all those sheep just hanging out, right? I don't know what that guy was thinking. He had to get to work, but I think he was going to be late. I like that one in the front kind of just saying hi to everybody there. But sheep are together. Christians, believers, everybody is meant to be, do life together. We are not meant to be alone. As a matter of fact, God in his nature himself, let's take a look at this. God in his nature himself is the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we see God himself as a community. God himself is not alone. God himself has fellowship. You know, if it's important for God to have fellowship, if it's important for God himself to have community, how much more important it is for us to have community and fellowship. And if we look at the Greek word that we get our word church from, ecclesia, it means a gathering. So follow me. We have God who is a community, who is fellowship amongst himself, comes for the gathering. Notice the theme here. No one's alone in here, right? No one is, is separate here. We've got God, the community, coming for the community. And I love how the Bible just establishes the importance of community, the importance of fellowship. You know what? I watched a show called Alone. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on the, the History Channel. But here's the gist of it, right? They take about 10 people from all different walks of life in the, all parts of the United States and beyond, and they drop them in a remote location. And there's about a $250,000 prize waiting for them. We're talking money that's life-changing money. And they just give them about 10 uh, survival tools that they can choose, and then they're on their own. And the person that lasts the longest wins the $250,000 prize. I mean, this is a quarter of a million dollars. And sure enough, at first, there's people that, that, that are frightened and go home. There's people that get injured and go home. And there's people that can't figure out how to feed themselves and they go home. But every episode comes down to this. Every episode comes down to the final three or four people, right, about 50, 60 days into it. And they all have learned to feed themselves. And they all have learned to protect themselves. And they all have shelter. So they're set now, right? They've gone through the learning curve. They've built their shelter. And, but yet, this is why they go home. They typically don't go home because they can't eat anymore. Those already left. These are the last three or four. They have figured that out. And, and they're not going home because they can't handle the harsh weather because all of these guys and gals have shelter now. So when it comes down to those last couple of people, they always go home for the same reason. And it's this, they're lonely. They're afraid. They're sad because they're alone, right? And it's that loneliness. It's that lack of fellowship. It's that lack of community 
that they're willing to trade in $250,000 life-changing money just to be with somebody. It's so important, you guys, for us not to do life alone, but to do it within the context of community and fellowship. And today we're going to be taking a look at a great verse in Genesis that really isolates that as well. It says right here, it says, the Lord God said. Now let me set this up. God had created everything in Genesis chapter 1. And after he created everything, because our God is good, he said, it's good. He created the heavens and the earth. It's good. He created man. It's good. He created the flowers. It's good. He created water. It's good. He created everything. And after everything in Genesis, watch, he says it's good. It's good. It's good. And the first time that the Bible says that it's not good, check this out. It's right here. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Genesis 2, 18. It is not good for a man to be alone. It is not good for a woman to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone. And that's why today we're going to look at some of the benefits of community and fellowship. And we're going to be in Daniel chapters 1, 2, and 3 during this message. And Daniel 1, 2, and 3 is great, great. We get great stories out of there. But let me, let me set the scene for us. Um, in Daniel chapter 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, right, who was the king of Babylon, had just conquered God's people. And they had a habit. What they would do is they would take some of the youth, some of the young men from the royal family, and they would take them in. And they would feed them. And they would train them. And they would show them their history. And they would educate them. And then they would assimilate those young men into now Babylon's royal court. So there was four young men who they changed their name, but we know these young men as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is where these four men came from, right? They were conquered. The king saw that these young men, this is how it describes these young men. It says that they were without fault, that they were without defect, that they were handsome. They had a high aptitude, they were well-informed, and they were quick to understand. So basically, he took the cream of the crop. So now, King Nebuchadnezzar has these guys, it's the cream of the crop, and he's training them to assimilate them into his family. Well, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their community. Now, it's so important because at that point, guys, they could have chose now to live like the rest of Babylon. They could have chose to say, wow, look at this. Look how fortunate we are. Now we're in Babylon. The king likes us. We have favor in the king's eyes, and let's just live it up. But they didn't decide to do that. As a matter of fact, they had, they had access to the king's food, to the king's table. And I'll tell you what, I'm sure the king's table was awesome. Could you imagine the food that the king had? Could you imagine the, the wine that the king had? And, but they chose not to defile themselves with the king's meat, food, and wine. As a matter of fact, they got together. And they said, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do. Let's, let's stay away from that. And Daniel was the leader. He told them, let's stay away from that and let's not defile ourselves with the king's food and wine. You know, we know it's important to have community and fellowship. But my question also is, who are you surrounding yourself with? It's so important. Who are the type of people that you are with? 
What kind of decisions are they making? As a matter of fact, what kind of impact are you making with your community? Are you someone like Daniel that's going to go, you know what, guys, to your community? No, let's stand up for the things of God. Or you're like someone to go, you know what, let's just assimilate and let's do what everybody else is doing. Let's talk the way everybody else is talking. Let's behave the way everybody else is behaving. Let's respond the way everybody else is responding. Your community is so important. Because your community is going to, your community is going to kind of dictate how you behave. And now we see that there's the community of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their fellowship. But there's also the fellowship and community of Babylon. But they chose to say, you know what? We aren't going to defile ourselves. So they told the king's governor that came to them and said, hey, look, we don't want to eat this stuff. We want nothing to do with them. And they found favor in his sight, in that official sight. But the official said this. Look, guys, I am afraid of King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he's the ultimate. And the last thing he wants is that he handpicked you guys. And after he handpicks you guys is that he see you guys frail, hungry, not strong. So you need to eat the king's food. And Daniel said, hey, hey, give us 10 days. Give us 10 days. And after these 10 days, why don't you evaluate us? Why don't you take a look at what we look like? Check out our strength, our face, and and, and then see if our way works. So the official agreed to it. So for 10 days, they ate vegetables and water and abstained from what Babylon had to offer them. And after those 10 days, the official came back and he saw them and he was surprised. And he saw this. He noticed that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked stronger, looked better, looked even beyond what the king's people did. His group of magicians, his group of wise men, his group of astrologers. So they take that group of young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. And let's take a look what it says right here. It says this in Daniel chapter 1, 18 through 20. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They changed the names. So they entered the king's service. Here's the point, guys. Check this part right here. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Wow. That is amazing. He found them ten times better than those guys. So here's the first point, right? I want to put us to the first point of the benefits, right, of community and fellowship. The first point is this, power. What do you mean power? Power, look what happened. Look at the power they had by by being together. Look at the power they had by by, by not assimilating into the bad community, into the bad fellowship. And so when I talk about these benefits, I want to talk about two different levels. One is the practical level. Look, they looked better. They looked stronger. They were quicker. Right? But more importantly, not only the physical community that we line ourselves with can give us power, but also, more importantly, the community of aligning ourselves with God. The Father, the Son, 
in the Holy Spirit. Now, when we align ourselves with that community, that's when we really get power. And not only physical power, but we get the spiritual power, which is important. So one of the huge benefit, guys, of godly community and fellowship is power. Both power here on a practical level, because look what happened to them, but also, more importantly, power on a spiritual level as well. So then that takes us now to Daniel chapter 2, right? So this is about a year into the king's reign, and there's been some updates now at what has happened to them during this time. So during this time, King Nebuchadnezzar, starts to have dreams. And he starts to have dreams that, frankly, disturb him. And I love this part of, uh, uh, of the story. He calls out to all his people, right, all his charlatans, all his so-called wise men, and his group of astrologers, he calls them, uh, right? He calls all the magic men. He, he calls all of his prophets. He calls all of his people right there. And he says, hey, guys, I need your help because I'm having this dream that's disturbing me, and I need you guys to interpret it. Well, obviously they knew they couldn't do that. And so one of the guys, right, one of the magicians says, no problem, oh, great King Nebuchadnezzar. Just give us the dream and we'll interpret it. But he was like, uh-uh. You know what you're going to do? You are going to, number one, tell me my dream. Uh-oh. Number two, you're going to interpret my dream. Oh, my goodness. Well, they started shaking, right? And then the, the chief magician started playing it off, saying, oh, oh, great king, just tell us the dream, and we'll interpret it for you. But he didn't want that. He really wanted to see if they had power, which they didn't have the power that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel had because they didn't have the community, and they didn't have the community with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so he says, listen, I ain't playing around no more. I'm paraphrasing, right? I ain't playing around anymore. If you really have the supernatural power, you can do this. And not only are you required to do it, but here's the deal. If you don't do it, I'm going to cut you up into little pieces. And your homes, I'm going to destroy them and make them rubble. Uh-oh. Who do you think volunteered for that job? Well, none of them because they knew they couldn't do it. So then the king made a decree. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kill all the magicians, all the wise men, all the dream interpreters that say they are, and I bring them here, and I'm going to cut them into little pieces. And so now they went to go chat with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is where the story gets great. And Daniel as they're talking to him, says, hold up, hold up. Let me chat with the king. Because they remembered that Daniel understood things. And he understood power that he had and supernatural power through his community and his fellowship and his relationship with God. And he says, take me before the king. So he took him before the king. And he started chatting with the king. And he said, king, here's the deal. I can't interpret your dreams. And so the king anticipated, well, I'm going to kill you like I'm going to kill everybody else. But he said, hold up, hold up, hold up. God can. Right? God can give me the power to interpret these dreams. So he said, why don't we make a deal, king? Why don't we make a deal? Don't kill all these people as long as I interpret these dreams and tell you what the dreams are. So the king said, no problem. And then they went together and they prayed. And they got together, once again, the benefits of community. The benefits of fellowship. He wasn't alone. So together, 
They prayed that the Lord would give them that power. So this is what happens. It is great. They come before the king, and Daniel not only interprets the dream, but Daniel tells him what his dream is all about. So he talks to the king and explains the, the vision that he had of this great statue and all the pieces that it was made about and, and what it was all about. And the king was amazed because he knew only through the power of God, only through the power of his community, could he reveal those dreams. And not only did he get the dream revealed, but he translated the dream as well. And he interpreted the dream as well. So can you imagine the king now, right, having this experience with these young men? And he is elated. And I love this verse right here, here that tells us this. In Daniel chapter 2, it says, Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Daniel 2, 48 and 49. Here's what I want us to understand from this. Daniel now was elevated, but you know what he did? He said, king, says they have to request of Daniel, what about my boys? What about my community? You need to take care of them too. The second point we have here, right, is not only does it give us power, but it gives us provision. Wow. God provided. God provided supernaturally. And you know what? If you have community, if you have fellowship, you know what? God's going to use that to provide. And if you're alone, it's so difficult. I remember my years of pastoring so many times, people coming up and asking for benevolence, asking for help, and asking for support. But I would start to ask questions, right? I would ask these questions before we, we started to, 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 to help uh, provide their needs. We wanted to see if we could help on a bigger picture. And, and really, why are you in this circumstance? So I would ask questions like, where's your family? Is your family here? Are you with your family? No, they're not here. What service do you come to? Who do you sit with during the services? Mm, haven't been coming to service. Oh, who's your group? Who's your growth group? Who's your Bible study? Who do you meet with on a weekly basis? I'm not part of one. You know, I can guarantee that if they were, had a healthy relationship with their family, if they had a healthy relationship with their growth group, if they had a relationship with the people that they would go to church with, they would have a much better opportunity for provision. And you guys, it's so important to have a healthy community and fellowship for provision. But more importantly, even beyond that, is our relationship with Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the provision that he provides us as well. But we see it on a practical level, and we see it on a spiritual level as well, and we've also seen a practical level in the book of Acts. You know, it says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another, anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with a glad and sincere hearts. And in these verses, we see together three times. 
together. Fellowship, community, right? That's how the church started, by them taking care of each other. And, and my question here is before we get to the next point, we know that our community is going to provide provision. But I'm just wondering, you know, how is God using you? How are you allowing God to use you to provide that provision for others? Because there's a world full of need, right? And so not only can we have our community to get receive power and get provision, but we should also be in that community to add power. How do we help people? How do we provide for people? We know that if the world was doing way more of that right now, we'd be in a much better spot. And then that takes us now to Daniel chapter 3. And this is a, the story that if you went to, to a, a, a church growing up and you went to Sunday school, we all know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is where it takes place right here. The, the king decided to create this gold statue so everybody would bow down to him. Right? And so as the statue, statue gets erected and, 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 and the sound of the music, whenever the music would come on, you'd have to stop what you were doing and you had to bow down before that statue. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew who their God was. They knew who their community was. They didn't assimilate into the worldly community. They stood up for what was right because they knew they had power and they knew that they had provision. But the, this last point we're going to look at right now, right? So now the scene is set. These young men hear the music go off and they see the golden statue and they see everybody stop and they bow down before that golden statue, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not. And they're kind of the king's prized guys, you know. And the king was angry with them and upset with them and gave them the ultimatum that they better bow down before that statue and worship it. And I love their response. It's a great response that we're going to take a look at right now. They say this in Daniel chapter 3, 16 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to, king, to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. It says this, look, king, we ain't going to bow down to your idols because we got the one true God. We got the God with the capital G, and we ain't going to bow down to your gods with the lowercase g because we know who the real God is. Here's the deal. I love this response, the second half. And even if he doesn't rescue us, we're still not going to do it. So they were convinced, guys, that God would rescue them. They were convinced that God would protect them. They were convinced that God would take care of them. But even in their mind, they said this, even if not, we're still not going to bow down. I love this. You know, I, I apply this in my life. There's oftentimes I'm praying for something. I, I need a miracle or, 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 or I think I need something. I'm depending on God and I'm trusting for God to supply that. But sometimes that miracle doesn't happen. 
And sometimes that thing that I anticipated and that I wanted or I thought I needed doesn't happen. So what am I going to do then? Am I going to reject God? Am I going to now assimilate into the world's lifestyle? Am I now going to assimilate to the Babylonian lifestyle and bow down before the golden idols of the world? Or am I going to say this, even if my life falls apart, even if financially things go bad, even if I'm not physically healed or my family's not healed, I am still going to serve the Lord. There's only one way they could do that. And here's come to our last point. Peace. Peace. Do you know how they could tell the king in his face that they weren't going to bow down and he threatened to put them into that fiery furnace? Is because they were not concerned with what the king would do to them. They were concerned on how their God viewed them. And since their relationships, since their fellowship and the community was based on God, now they had peace. And I'll tell you what, if you don't have peace, what do you have? It is so important to have a life full of peace. What matters if the man gains the whole world and loses his soul? And we know the story, right, of people that on paper have everything, people that on paper have a life that, that you dream of, that you wish for. And so many times, it's those very same people, and there's nothing wrong with having those things, but so many times what it took to receive those things, you know what, they lost peace. If you have peace, You've got everything. And only through your relationship with Jesus Christ, only through committing yourself to the Lord can you really have that peace. And I love this verse right here in John 14, 27. It says this. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So we see the three highlights we talked about today of benefits of community and fellowship. We see number one of having a healthy community and fellowship based on God, based on godly relationships, it's going to give you power. It's going to give you strength. But even, before, even beyond that, it's going to give you spiritual power and strength. Not only that, but you know what? Surrounding yourselves with the right people, with the right family, with the right relationships, with the right growth group, you know it's going to give provision because we know life has hiccups. We know that life can, t t can take a left turn right away, right? During this time of COVID, we have seen so many things change, right? So many things that we thought were givens, right? Our careers, right? Our, our health Going outside, going to the beach, gathering the things that we knew can be taken away from us. But having the right community will give you that provision. But most importantly, the community with God. He will provide and his promises to do that. And the last one, peace. Wow. Do you have peace today? Do you have peace in your heart? If not, I encourage you, make a decision to follow Christ. Make a decision to get baptized. Make a decision to live your life for the Lord. Because if you have everything else and you don't have peace, it's not worth it. And if you do have community, 
if you do have great godly fellowship, and most importantly, that community and fellowship with God, you know what? Great dividends. You will have power, you will have provision, and you will have peace. So I encourage you today, if you've not made that decision, why don't you make it with us today? Why don't you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this wonderful time that we could chat and, and talk about your word and think about the importance of godly community, the importance of godly relationships and fellowship, the importance of making sure, first and foremost, that that fellowship and that community is with you. So I just pray for great relationships here at NBC and beyond. I pray for great community Great fellowship, Lord, and I pray for those that haven't quite established that to make that decision and in their hearts decide to follow you, to create community and fellowship with you so they would have the power, they would have your provision, and they would have your peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.